Hello, everybody. Welcome to your Tuesday episode of Max Sports. I'm Max, of course. I'm bringing you five football podcasts Monday through Friday, five days a week. Now, I have a lot to talk about today. Usually we do college football on Tuesdays, so I am going to start with what everyone is getting ready for. After that, we have a ton of stuff to talk about in the NFL. Injuries, coaches getting fired, a Super Bowl rematch that took place last night, and a quarterback change coming from the New York Jets. We'll talk about all of that and more in this episode of Max Sports. But again, we're getting started with college football. I may, depending on how long this goes uh, when it comes to recording, do my prediction episodes today. I might do my NFL picks today, only because I'm most likely going to want to take Thanksgiving off. I'm not sure yet. It depends if I have time to, but I will have family over, so I will not necessarily have time to just run up and start recording something. I kind of want to spend time with them. That's what Thanksgiving's about, but we will see. So I will see how how long this recording's going. If I feel like I can fit in the picks, we'll do that for the NFL today. Let's get it started. So let's start off with college football, because that's really what's been intriguing me recently. I've been saying almost all season long that each conference, the Pac-12, the Big 12, the Big 10, uh, and the SEC and the Big 12, they, they all have, and the ACC, sorry, they all have a top tier team. What do I mean by that? Georgia, SEC, they're number one in the nation. Ohio State, they're number two in the nation for the Big 10. You got Washington at number four from the Pac-12, and you got uh, Florida State at five from the ACC, and then Texas is just right on the outside looking in at seven for the Big 12. So every team has at least one contender to try and get into the college football playoff this year. However, there's only four spots, which means there are going to be conferences that get nobody in. And I'm trying to break down and picture how it's going to end up being, but we still have plenty of football to be played left. Teams could get upset left and right. We don't really know yet. So to start things off, I need to break down one of the biggest things that happened when it comes to college football last week. Florida State. Florida State, who's been one of the best programs all season long. They got that early season win over LSU, just blew them out of the water. Other than that, they've looked like a solid football team most of the season. Um, they're going up against North Alabama for some reason early uh, or late in the season. Now, North Alabama, that's usually a game you'd schedule early in the year. Uh, as just kind of like a little cupcake game, get your team ready, um, build a win on your record, get get the third string guys in. And um, early in the game, North Alabama actually was leading for a bit. They were up by 13 points. And uh, Florida State wasn't looking too good, but it got worse. To end the first quarter, their quarterback and Heisman contender, Jordan Travis, goes running around on the field, gets tackled, and his ankle does not follow the same direction of his body. He's carted off the field. You can obviously guarantee that he is done for the season. So the backup quarterback, um, let me get this name right, Tate Roadmaker. Yes, Tate Roadmaker is now the quarterback. They come back. They win the game like 58-13. to 13. It wasn't even close. Um, but the loss of Jordan Travis is huge. He was the face. He's the heart and soul of this team. He's a leader and a captain, and now he is gone. It's a guarantee he is not coming back. He announced that his college career is over. What does this mean for Florida State, though? They are one of the few remaining undefeated teams. 
you would you'd argue because you can't tie in college football that they will be one of the four remaining undefeated teams when Michigan or Ohio State lose this upcoming Saturday. So you would think in theory they'd be put at number four. Now they fell from four to five despite winning by a gazillion points partially due to the fact that Washington got a near top 10 win over Oregon State on the road. Um, Oregon survived and advanced another week with another one-sided victory over uh, Arizona State. So they both had better wins than, than Florida State. But again, this is the big question. There is going to be probably a one-loss team that gets left out of the playoff. If the committee knows that Florida State is without their star quarterback, Despite going undefeated, do they still get left out? That is an interesting question, and I don't know if it actually will happen or not, but I think that this tarnishes the ACC's chance for a playoff in general. Why? Well, if Louisville wins out, they're 10-1 and right now. They'd be a 12-1 and uh, undefeated team, or 12-1 one-loss team, and they would have beat Florida State. So the problem that I see with it is that they still have to play Kentucky and then they play Florida State. If they win those two games, those are both solid wins. However, the problem with that is they'd win against a Florida State that in the eyes of the committee may not be a playoff team because of their lack of a quarterback now. If Louisville beats Florida State, do they get the number four spot because they beat a playoff team? Or will the committee say, sorry, you get to be the first one on the outside. And I think that's something that we really have to bring to attention right now. Teams that I think are still on the hunt. Alabama, if they beat Georgia, you could argue they're in. Texas, I don't know if Texas can be in as of right now because they don't really have that big win that could jump them up multiple spots. What do I mean by that? Well, again, Louisville could beat Florida State, who's ahead of them. Oregon could beat Washington or vice versa. That's a top six win at worst. Michigan, Ohio State, they're probably going to be two and three when they play against each other. That's one of the best wins in the country. Georgia will have to play Bama. The only one that doesn't have to play a top 10 team the rest of the year is Texas. So can they even get in? As of right now, I don't believe so. Unless a lot of teams above them lost. It would have to be like Oregon, loses a game, gets to 10-2, and two, but then beats Washington. I don't think that's happening. Florida State would maybe have to lose out, and then Louisville would have to lose against Kentucky, but then beat Florida State. That is the only way I see Texas getting in right now. I still believe, and maybe I'm wrong, but I still believe you've seen it with past years, Michigan and Ohio State both find a way to get in. I think if Michigan beats Ohio State, OSU will probably fall to five. When that happens, conveniently, one of the teams, whether it's Florida State, whether it's Washington, whether it's Oregon or Texas, one of them will lose, and it will allow Ohio State to get back in the playoff hunt. Despite not having a championship record, your only loss is to a team that's in the playoff and won the Big Ten. So if I had to guess today what I think the playoff would be, I would probably go Georgia, Michigan, uh, Oregon, and then Ohio State. I think Oregon could win out, and I think if they do and beat Washington, I think they could jump to the number three ranking, and then Ohio State would sneak into four because Washington would be knocked out, and they most likely would not pick Florida State then. 
That would be my prediction. I would love to know what you guys think about it. Again, as we get going with this season and as it comes to a wrap-up, we only have two more um, weeks of football, I believe. Uh, let me double-check real quick. So we have one more regular season week, and then it's conference championship week, and then we're looking at bowl games. So, I mean, this season has just come and gone so fast. It's crazy to see where it's come. Um, let's look at the rankings real quick. And I know the top 25 ranking doesn't mean anything uh, nowadays. It's not It's not the end of the world. But sometimes when you see a program that has that little number next to their name, it's quite impressive to see uh, a team that maybe we didn't expect to be one of the better ones in the country succeed. The ones that I really got to highlight here, ones that I did not see coming, Missouri. I did not expect them to be a top 10 team in the nation this year. They've been a fun team to watch. You could argue they gave Georgia the best run for their money this year. Another team I definitely want to highlight would be Arizona. Again, started the season unranked. They upset quite a few opponents this year. I thought that they've been a really fun team to watch. They uh, pushed um, Washington to their limits. They pushed USC to their limits. Then they upset teams like Washington State, Oregon State, UCLA, Colorado, and Utah all back-to-back-to-back. Those are impressive wins for this Arizona team, and I think they've been absolutely fun to watch. Another team that I've been very surprised with, and I, I hate to mention it because they are undefeated, but they are not playoff-worthy because they have not been playing anybody legit this year. But Liberty, they're undefeated on the season. Um this has been a very good run for Liberty so far. Um, their head coach, I'm blanking on his name right now, but he used to be the Coastal Carolina coach. Um, he, um, Jamie Chadwell, there it is. Um, he has been a very good coach the last couple of years, and I think he will be a hot head coaching candidate for maybe a Power 5 job next year. I've heard rumors to maybe Mississippi State. Wouldn't be surprised if that happens. He's kind of more of a Southern dude. So I, I think that might be a good fit for him, but it's interesting to see what he was able to do with Liberty. Uh, another one has got to be James Madison. They did lose their first game of the season, unfortunately, to Appalachian State. I'm telling you, you don't play games against Appalachian State. Schedule out of it if you can. <laughs> but James Madison had a good run of 10 consecutive wins to start the season, and they have just been a fun team to watch this year. I'm really uh, impressed with the James Madison Dukes. Apparently, they're just the ultimate uh, um, sports school. I mean, the first time they play D1 football and basketball, they're ranked in both in the AP poll right now. <laughs> and then I'd say if there was one that had to surprise me a little bit with where, where they were at in the ranking, um, it would probably be Tulane. Um, again, another smaller school, not always going to be there. You kind of you kind of have less uh, room for error when you are a uh, lower school, usually one or two losses, and you're out of the rankings as opposed to some teams like Tennessee or Oregon State that have three or four. But back to our main point, uh, when it comes to Tulane, I thought that you know teams like this usually only have a good one-year run. If you remember last year, Tulane – won a ton of games, and then ended up beating USC in um, a bowl game last year. Very impressive. They're back in at number 18 right now. So I'm very impressed with this Tulane team as well. So where do you think the playoff committee is going to go with this, especially with the news around Jordan Travis? For me, I've kind of viewed Florida State as a lock for the longest time. I, I don't think that they were maybe – 
in the most difficult conference, but again, the win over LSU is one of the best ones in the nation. They had just been a really solid program this year. They're undefeated. They were most they're most likely going to win the ACC championship even with a backup. But does that get them in? That is the big question. Or will they allow maybe an Ohio State or Texas to jump them? Uh, especially depending on what happens now that they're moved to number five. The college football playoff rankings, different than the AP Top 25, they're the ones that actually decide who is in and who is out. That comes out tonight at about 7 o'clock-ish, I believe. Uh, They've changed it around other events on ESPN at times, so we'll have to see what happens when it happens, but I believe it's at 7. We will see... Who's at the top then? I might make a Facebook post sharing the rankings and giving some thoughts on it then, but I just wanted to bring it to your attention of what I think could be today. Let's do a little transition over to the NFL. I'm going to take a quick break real quick. Um, I really want to talk about some of the biggest news happening around the league. Obviously, we had a big primetime game last night, but then we have people getting suspended. We have people getting fired. We have people on the injury report, and then we have quarterback changes. We got to talk about all of it. So let's head over to it. All right, let's start with the primetime game that took place this past night between the Eagles and the Chiefs. Man, it was another classic. It was a lower-scoring affair, mainly due to the weather conditions. Um, This was a game that Kansas City was in control of the the majority of the game. We'll say that, especially in the later game up until the mid-fourth quarter. That's when the Eagles took off. They had big chunk plays to get chunk yardage. DeAndre Swift had a great game, whether it was in the screen play or the run play. He has been a great addition to this team. While I don't think that the consistency of the run game has been the same without Miles Sanders, I do believe that the explosiveness um, definitely has grown with DeAndre Swift in the backfield. Uh, To end the the second half, the, the Kansas City Chiefs did not score in the entire second half at all. It was all Eagles, and that's what good teams need to do to win. When it comes to the Chiefs, what are the biggest problems? Well, hate to say it, but you got to look at the star tight end, Travis Kelsey. The Eagles, or the, the Chiefs had a great chance to just keep eating clock and going into the end zone. And while they're right in the red zone, Travis Kelsey catches a first down pass, fumbles it, Eagles recover. That, at least, if even if it was points, could have helped the Chiefs late in games, even if it was a field goal, because then it's only a field goal game when they're driving down the field late game. Why don't we talk about late game as well? The Eagles score a touchdown to obviously take the lead, and uh, yeah, the Chiefs need a score bad. Well, you know what? They're kind of having a good drive going. Mahomes throws a deep pass. It looks like he used a howitzer to get it down the field, and Marcus Valdez-Scantling is wide open. He's got his man beat and he's heading toward the end zone. The ball hits him directly in the hands, hits him in the face, and then he drops it. Man. So at least all I can say with that is, is a lot of people were giving crap to my Lions when we beat the Chiefs because, oh, if they didn't drop those passes, they would have won. If Kadarius Tony didn't drop those passes, they would have won. You would have lost and they would have won. Well, unfortunately, A case of the dropsies is what you get with the Chiefs this year because they did it again against the Eagles. So either you can revoke their win too, or you can realize the Chiefs are now 7-3. and Now, I picked Kansas City to win this game because it was at home. I I really 
Now, at the time, I'm not saying this is an excuse. I didn't realize it was going to be a rainy game. Knowing that it was a rainy game, I thought it was going to be much closer. Lower scoring games usually work for a team that can run the ball better. And the Eagles were able to run the ball better, in my opinion. Whether it was Jalen Hurts, DeAndre Swift, they didn't have to rely on the big plays. While, yes, Marcus Valdez-Scantling was wide open. I do think that in the rain, a gunslinging, uh, you know, chucking down the field pass is a lot riskier than being able to run the ball. And the Eagles were able to make safer throws, make safer plays that were more productive than the, you know, all or nothing big play that they that the Chiefs were able to run later in the game. Now, again, he could have caught that ball. The Chiefs could have won. And we're talking a different story, but they didn't. So we're not. I think the Kansas City Chiefs do have a bit of an offensive issue at times. I, I think that the lack of a secondary option around Travis Kelsey is a problem. That's why I do believe a lot of people, again, called it an asterisk when the Lions went into Arrowhead and beat the Chiefs week one because Chris Jones and um, Travis Kelsey weren't playing. First things first, the Lions have an elite offensive line. They would have been able to slow down Chris Jones just like the Eagles did. I think the Eagles and the Lions have the two best offensive lines in football. Second, I think that the Chiefs don't have another weapon around Travis Kelsey. So even if he did eat up, Kadarius Tony's dropping passes. Valdez Scantling has been dropping passes. And I think this is a concern that we're going to have to see from this Chiefs team as the season goes. Now, does this really mean it's the end of the world for Kansas City? No! There's a very good chance that they somehow find a way to get back to the number one seed, like as per usual. Now, I will say this. Because of this loss, Kansas City is no longer the one seed. Yes, the loser of this game was going to fall out of the one seed. If the Eagles lost, the Lions would have moved up to number one in the NFC. If the Chiefs lost, and they did, it is now the Baltimore Ravens out of all teams now at the number one spot in the AFC. I did not see this coming. I thought they were going to be a good team, of course. It's very hard to go against the Ravens knowing their winning history. But I really was a Bengals fan this year. I thought the Bengals were going to be the team to win that division, especially with the Joe Burrow injury. Nah, that ain't happening, pal. Let's move on from primetime football. We have a huge firing coming from the Pittsburgh Steelers themselves. Matt Canada has officially been fired from the Steelers after the offensive struggles. This is something I've been hearing the Steelers fans complaining about forever now matt canada was one of the worst offensive coordinators in all of football kenny pickett has looked like a one of the worst quarterbacks in all of football under the system that matt canada has been running i feel bad for kenny pickett at times because he has been the scapegoat of several espn stats talking about how like cj stroud has already thrown for more touchdowns than kenny pickett has and it's like uh, why has it always got to be kenny pickett like let's just be happy for C.J. Stroud, Kenny Pickett struggling. Once Kenny Pickett has his glory day, I don't want anyone else being torn down for him to have a good day, you know? But when it comes to uh, this situation, the Steelers have had one of the worst offenses in all of football over the last couple of years with Matt Canada. A lot of Steeler fans that I've been hearing complain about him have been saying it's long overdue. This is a guy that um, has been fired based on having a very beatable offense, an offense that is very generic. There's not a lot of creativity with it. They're not really playing. It, it was just a really stale 
kind of offensive scheme that is dated and hasn't been able to work. I'm saying that. Here's a perfect example. They are 31st in passing yards this year. They are 16th in rushing yards this year. They are 28th in points scored this year. They they technically have been giving up more points on defense than they've been scoring on offense. Yeah, their defense has been giving up 19 points per game, and their offense has been scoring 16 points per game. Despite that, they somehow are 6-4. and four. Yes, this was a firing that needed to happen. You, it even came out a couple weeks ago when they won one of their games. I can't remember which one it was. Maybe it was the Titan game, or it might have been the Rams game. I'm not sure. But bottom line is there was a game where Kenny Pickett delivered a huge pass late in the game to win, and it came out that he audibled a play that Matt Canada wanted. He wanted them to run the ball. They audibled it to a one-on-one matchup with their star receiver, George Pickens. What do you know? It went to the house. So I'm not saying it's all his fault. It is a team you know, it's a team sport. There are players on the team that haven't been performing well, but you would also argue with the players on this team, they should at least be doing better than one of the worst in the entire National Football League, especially with this defense. You almost can't get worse than what it's been under Matt Canada. So he is no longer the um, offensive coordinator for the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's probably a good sign for them. Let's keep track on how this offense looks post Matt Canada. Let's move on to another thing I really wanted to talk about. Um, Cooper Cup injured again, unfortunately. Hurts me for my fantasy team, at least. But um, Cooper Cup, the receiver for the Rams, is day-to-day with an ankle injury. He just came back from an injury a couple weeks ago. Remember, he was out the beginning of the season. But the goal is for him to be able to play against the Arizona Cardinals in Week 12, according to Sean McVay. So there's a possibility he'll be there. But... There's still testing getting done on his ankle. Now, that sucks, but their leading rusher and their best running back on the team, Kyron Williams, is going to be coming back um, against the Cardinals, which is a big gain. I will say I wish I was able to see Cooper Cup and Kyron Williams together because I've said this um, Rams team has looked very hollow this year. I keep using that term because what I view this team as is maybe seven really good players and then a bunch of, you know, vets, um, practice squad guys, and young, inexperienced rookies. That's really what this Rams team is. Kyron Williams was one of those pillars on this team. You have Stafford, a veteran quarterback. You have Cooper Cup, a star receiver. Puka Nakua, an out-of-nowhere star receiver. And then you have Kyron Williams, a solid running back, who was their leading rusher on the season. I want to see all of them play together because I haven't had a chance to see Williams and Cup and Stafford and Puka all play together in one game. I think that that changes the outcome of the season for the Rams. And maybe if they could just freaking stay healthy, they could be a playoff team. They could go on a win streak here. But I don't know what the case is going to be. Given Cup's injury history, we know that he's had several injuries over his long career it you really wonder you really wonder if if this is going to be a consistent thing with him just nagging injuries here or there that always keep him out of uh out of games throughout his career when you go to cooper cup and look at his career uh seasons he has really only ever played one full season or two full seasons one of them was still when they had the 16 game schedule 
He's only played one full season, though, and that was the year he was the Triple Crown winner when he had the most touchdowns, receiving yards, and receptions. So other than that, he really hasn't been able to be what he is known for, like that 2021 season, because of injuries. He only played nine games last year. He only played six games. He's only played six games this year so far. So if the dude can't stay healthy, I don't know what's going to happen when it comes to this guy moving forward. They do have a young receiver uh, that could have star potential in Puka, but I want to see them all play together. That's my big takeaway here. Moving on to another thing that I really want to mention, Uh, Justin Jefferson. We know that one of the best receivers in all of football right now has been out for the Minnesota Vikings for several weeks. The Vikings are saying that his recovery is coming back slowly, that he might be um, available for the Chicago Bears, but he most likely will be sidelined. They think that they'll probably rest this game against Chicago, then he'll rest on their bye week, and then maybe he'll be coming back in three weeks. So he's been out since week five, if you guys remember that. Um, He got hurt. um, What game was it? I can't remember now, but it was week five. And um, it was a huge loss for the Minnesota Vikings. But since his injury... They've actually completely changed the trajectory of their season. Josh Dobbs has become the new quarterback since Kirk Cousins tore his Achilles. And Dobbs has been playing pretty solid. Now, yes, they lost to the Denver Broncos on primetime football this past week. But that was a very close game. And Josh Dobbs has been a very solid quarterback for them so far on the season. I just would love to see what this Vikings team can do with the addition of Justin Jefferson once he's healthy again. They've already been pretty hot, winning two of three games with Dobbs. What happens when Justin Jefferson joins this team? Could it be even better than we imagined? I, for one, would like to at least see it. I'd like to see what Josh Dobbs can do with this offense at its healthiest and at its best. That could be a real difference maker, and it could make the Vikings a pretty dangerous team and a playoff team this season. So that is kind of where we're at with some of the stuff going around the league. I want to mention one more thing, and then I'm probably going to do the picks. Um, There has been a, where did it go, quarterback change between uh, Zach Wilson and Tim Boyle. Now, I actually have experienced the Tim Boyle um, the, I've experienced the Tim Boyle experience, and it is not a very fun one. I actually do not know how Tim Boyle has made it into the NFL. I am not going to rip on him saying that that, that he, um, you know, isn't worthy of it. Obviously, teams have thought that that's the case. I am just mainly confused on how he's been in the NFL so long. This is a guy in college that threw more interceptions than touchdowns. This is a guy that has thrown more interceptions than touchdowns in the NFL. Three interceptions, or sorry, nine interceptions to three touchdowns. I experienced Tim Boyle when he was playing for the Detroit Lions back during the pandemic season, and it was a pandemic for Detroit fans. This guy was not very good. I don't know how he has still managed to make it in the NFL. I, I feel like he maybe has like some like blackmail on Roger Goodell or something. That's got to be the only way, honestly. Like I, I'm not even trying to be mean. I don't know how he's in the league still. But he is now taking over the helm over Zach Wilson, which makes us really wonder how good Zach Wilson is becoming. He's really starting to struggle. One of the things I thought could have been a chance is maybe them giving um, a start to Trevor Simeon. He's a guy that has had um, 
experience starting in the NFL. If you remember, he started a full season with the Denver Broncos. And honestly, he wasn't too bad in his first year. I thought he might have had a chance to prove himself and and get some some reps, but it does not look like that is going to be the case for him. Uh, what does this mean for Zach Wilson? I don't necessarily know. I think this is a desperation move by Robert Sala to try and keep the ship afloat. The offense is not going to look good no matter who's back there. I come off as maybe someone that over-defends Zach Wilson sometimes, but I'll say this. Wilson is not an amazing quarterback. He struggles a lot. But I will say this, no quarterback back behind that offensive line will look any better than Zach Wilson will. Look at even, I know his his season was only like four plays, but look at Aaron Rodgers. How did he look against uh, the Buffalo Bills behind that offensive line? He rushed a pass and, and had to throw it away. He, and then he took a sack. And they ran out of the pocket again. Like he was running for his life after every single play. There was not a single time he sat in the pocket and delivered all of his reads. This O-line is not performing at a professional level. And so I don't care who you got back there. They will still struggle. That is all I will say with the Jets. Let's move to the picks. Now, let's see how I did last week. I will say I have now moved to the number one spot in my Pick'em League um, ahead of one pride 85. So... I feel special. Um, I'm at 102 and 62 um, wins and losses this year. So I have 102 wins, 62 losses. Um, that is three um, games in the lead as of right now, which is kind of crazy. Um, let's do the picks for this week. Um, last week, I went nine and five. My only games I got wrong were the Chiefs, Seahawks, Chargers, Commanders, and the Steelers. Let's see if I can do a little bit better this week. We got some Thanksgiving games to start off. Lions hosting the Packers. I've looked at the injury reports of both of these teams, and the Lions are in a much better situation when it comes to injuries as opposed to the Packers. I think that might be a difference in this game. I remember, and I've said it again, the Packers, yes, they have put a couple wins together since the Lions have faced them. But I've still said, since the loss of David Bakhtiari, the run game has not been the same. The pass protection on Jordan Love has not been the same. And I think on Thanksgiving... Ford Field is going to be noisy as all hell. The Lions have a chance to get to nine wins for the first time uh, on Thanksgiving Day ever in the history of football. And I think they will get it done against the Green Bay Packers on Thanksgiving. Another Thanksgiving game. This is the one I always watch after I've eaten my food. And that is the Cowboys and the Commanders. The Cowboy game is always a good afternoon game. And they will be playing against the Commanders. Now, what I'm really hoping for, if I'm just a fan of football, is that we get an amazing shootout between Sam Howell and Dak Prescott. However, I am worried at one thing. The Washington offensive line versus the defensive line of the Dallas Cowboys. Sam Howell gets sacked so much. And I, I need to keep pushing this because you guys need to keep understanding it. This kid is special. I really do like Sam Howell. I don't know if he is still leading um, the NFL when it comes to passing yards. Yeah, he's the only quarterback right now with 3,000 passing yards. Yet, when it comes to sacks, he has been sacked almost more than any other quarterback in the league. There are some multiple quarterbacks that have been sacked um, less than him combined. So let's look at his um, sacks right now because I need to really show you how bad it's been. 
Uh, Sam Howell, just a little over halfway through the season, has been sacked 51 times, which means he's almost on pace to be sacked 80 times this year. Um, David Carr, um, sack record. Let me pull this up for you real quick because I really want to show you how bad it is. David Carr is the is a quarterback who was sacked more than any quarterback in league history. Um, his offensive line was terrible, and it was the first year of the Houston Texans. They were an expansion franchise. He was sacked 76 times in 16 games. That means that Sam Howell only needs to be sacked um, what, 25 more times? And he is definitely on pace for that as of right now. He could beat the sack um, record. And it's not like this is a guy that holds onto the ball and tries to extend the plays. He's just getting murdered out there at times. So keep an eye on Sam Howell. I think he's a really talented quarterback. But, man, the dude is just getting his head ripped off after every single game. If he can't get the ball out, I do worry about him potentially uh, being able to keep his team in the game, especially if the Cowboys are forcing turnovers. Give me Dallas. And then our final game, I might be dumb for this one. We'll see how it ends up becoming. But you got the Seattle Seahawks hosting the San Francisco 49ers. The Seahawks lost a bit of a doozy against the Los Angeles Rams. Now, the Seahawks, here's a perfect example of, of pressure right now. They're at 6-4, and four and they lost a game they desperately needed to win. Now they have San Francisco coming into their place at night with a chance where if Seattle wins, they can take the division lead. Yes, I said it, and I'll say it again. They can take the division lead. If they lose, they could be out of the playoffs going into next week. Yes. Um, the, the, the playoff bracket is very, very... Crazy. Let's let's be honest here. And the the Packers are right on the doorstep. Okay, so let me backtrack. They will not be out of the playoffs. However, they could fall to the seven seed, which puts them right on the door to be next to get booted out. They also lost to the Rams, which means if the Rams go on a bit of a hot streak, they now have the tiebreaker over um, Seattle and could boot them out for a playoff spot. So the Seattle's in a weird situation right now where if they win... They have a really good chance of maybe even jumping San Francisco, taking the division back. If they lose, though, it all hell could break loose, and they could be really looking at themselves as, man, we're fighting for a playoff spot right now. This is a Seattle team I think some had bigger expectations for after their surprise playoff run last year. Well, if they want to prove they're different, you got to win this game here. I am going to pick the upset. Maybe I'm dumb. I probably am, but I'm going to pick the Seahawks to win this one in Seattle at night. I just feel like maybe the environment could be a little crazy. It's going to be loud as all hell there. We'll see if Brock Purdy can handle it. I Again, I might be stupid in this one, but I think it'll be at least a close battle. Moving on to our next one. This is a Friday, Black Friday game. I think this game sounded much cooler when they first announced it. Um, the Dolphins at the Jets. This game is going to be on Prime Video, by the way, but I believe, don't quote me on it and don't come with your pitchforks and, and torches if I'm wrong, I believe that this is a free game. So if you have Prime Video, you don't actually have to pay for it. You can just download the app and you should be able to watch it. I might be wrong on that, but that is what I believe I was told. So 
this game between the Jets and the Dolphins sounded a lot cooler before Aaron Rodgers got injured. Now you're going to have Tim Boyle starting against the Dolphins. The Jets defense might be able to keep this, this Dolphins offense contained for a little bit, but I think the explosive plays and the better run game of Miami will be able to stop um, the New York Jets in their tracks, and they will continue a winning streak. Moving on to our next game, we got the Atlanta Falcons hosting the New Orleans Saints. This game also has the division lead on the line. The Falcons have already beaten the Buccaneers this year and the Panthers. So if they beat the Saints, they would be at 5-6, and six, tied with New Orleans, but having division wins over everyone else, that puts them in first place. Somehow. I don't know how. Then you have the New Orleans Saints who are 5-5, five and five, and they're coming into Atlanta, and they haven't really been looking good. We don't know if Derek Carr's even healthy. Are they starting Jameis Winston? This is tank division, and tank division is a division of teams that aren't good and no one deserves to be in the playoffs, but someone will have to unfortunately win it. And I am going to, uh, again, I am stupid. It, it, you pick it, and it, it always gets you. I'm picking the Falcons to win this one. They're at home. Desmond Ritter is coming back as the quarterback. I don't love it. It's not my favorite pick. I don't like either of these teams. But when you really look at who New Orleans has beaten, they have one of the uh, worst strength of records, in my opinion. Uh, It's really pathetic, honestly. Their wins over the Titans, Panthers, Patriots, Colts, and Bears. I think the Falcons are better than any of those teams that I just mentioned. So I'm going to pick the Falcons to win this one at home. Will it happen? I don't know. The Falcons love just making every game more difficult than they need to. Moving on to our next game, Steelers versus Bengals. Due to the news of Matt Canada being fired, yes, I am going to take the Pittsburgh Steelers in this one. Give me the Steelers. Joe Burrow's out. It's going to be Jake Browning making his first career start. Yeah, I'm going to take Pittsburgh in this one. Uh, especially against that defense alone. I hope the defense can force some turnovers and make it tough for the Bengals. Moving on to our next game, a game that honestly should just be punted. They just need to take this whole game and punt it into the Atlantic Ocean. Um, Tennessee Titans versus the Carolina Panthers. I'm going to take the Titans in this one only because they have had multiple wins this season. I think the pieces around Will Levis are better than the pieces around Bryce Young. I think it'll be a close, low-scoring game. Maybe like a 14 to 10 game, but I will expect the Titans to win this one. Moving on to our next game. We got the Colts hosting the Buccaneers. The Colts surprisingly find themselves in the playoff hunt at five and five, despite missing their quarterback, Anthony Richardson. Again, I, I really wish I got a chance to see Anthony Richardson playing for this team right now because you wonder where they would be. Baker Mayfield comes in for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a team that has been free-falling since their 3-1 start. They are now 4-5, or four have lost four of their last five games. Ugh. But uh, the, this is where we are now at when it comes to Tampa Bay. They have an experienced veteran team. These are both very experienced teams. They have good stars on both sides of the ball. I am picking Indianapolis to win this one at home. Tampa Bay may try and win this game. I'm not necessarily sure. Technically, they are still in the playoff hunt as well at four and six, but I'm not sure if they will really be able to do much. 
moving on to our next game, we have another game that should be a tank bowl. Uh, the Giants hosting the Patriots. Remember when these two teams used to battle for Super Bowls, and now they're battling for tank bowl trophies. Um, yes, the Giants come in at three and eight, starting Tommy DeVito, and the Patriots come in at two and eight, starting Mac Jones or maybe Bailey Zappi. We don't really know yet. These two teams are train wrecks. Um, on fire with dumpster fires in the way and they're going head to head into each other for a crash like this is the only way to describe it it it, it is going to be one of the worst games of football in my opinion we're either going to have one of these teams wake up and beat the piss out of the other team or both of them are just going to suck and it's going to be a game nobody wants to watch Um, I'm going to take the G-men in this one yeah maybe I'm crazy but Tommy DeVito played a better game than either of the New England quarterbacks last week um I just don't believe in the in this New England Patriots team anymore. I think this game might end three to six. And then finally, oh, not finally, we have several more games. What on earth am I saying? Uh, the Houston Texans hosting the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm picking the upset here in Houston. Houston already has a win over Jacksonville. I think they take the division lead this week, beating the Jaguars. Moving on to the next game, Denver Broncos hosting the Cleveland Browns. I'm going to take the Broncos to win this one. I think they get the upset at home over the Browns. I think Russell Wilson will outplay P.J. Walker, and I think the defense could force some turnovers to help Broncos country ride. Moving on to our next game, the Rams going into the Cardinals. Well, despite adding Kyler Murray, the uh, most scripted tank I've ever seen in my life continues to keep chugging along. They lost last week to get to 2-9. and nine. The Rams are a team that still envisions themselves as a playoff team. Despite the loss of Cooper Cup, I expect the Rams to win. Moving on to the next game, Kansas City Chiefs versus the Vegas Raiders. As much as I'd love to see the Raiders win so I can keep calling them the Raiders, I don't think that they will be winning. Mahomes is usually pretty good bouncing back from a loss. I think the Chiefs win this one to get to 8-3. and three. And then finally, we have Sunday Night Football between, or no, sorry, I am still wrong. There's still so more, many more games than I thought. I'm actually going to have to take a quick break. Part of the reason why I've been trying to wrap it up is because I thought that uh, I'm, I'm running out of recording time. So we're going to take a quick break, bounce right back, then uh, we'll finish the, uh, the uh, picks. All right, let's finish the picks now that i got some more recording time. Bills at Eagles. Um, this is going to be a mid-afternoon game. I think I'm going to pick the Bills to win this one because I think the explosive plays that Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs can do can be the difference against this Eagles team. Yes, they are on the road, but the Bills are desperate. And sometimes when a team is desperate, they show up and they show out more. I think the Bills will win this one because I think that the secondary of the Eagles is probably the biggest flaw of them, and I like Stephon Diggs in this game. Moving on to the next one, we got the Ravens at the Chargers. I'm going to pick the Ravens in this one. Now, they are the face of the of the conference right now at 8-3. and three. They have the best record. This game, I think, will be a lot closer than some people might say. The Chargers, again, are fighting for their coach's uh, career right now. At 4-6, and six, one more loss would all but eliminate them, in my opinion. Um, they still have to play the—I mean, they still have to play the Chiefs again, so there's no way that— they'd be able to keep like a 10 and seven record. They're not turning it around. They got to win this game if they're going to have a chance. And I think it'll be a little closer than some might may expect because the chargers, despite the record do have a solid offense and they do have pieces on the defense and the Ravens do not always look as good when they are on the road. However, I will still expect the Ravens to win this one. Give me Baltimore. 
And then finally, now even though I've said finally like 10 times, we got the Bears and the Vikings on Monday Night Football. I'm going to pick the Vikings to win this one. They are a 91% favorite. I think Josh Dobbs is going to play better than Justin Fields or Tyson Badgett. I think that the Vikings have better weapons. And while I will think it'll be a close one, I like Minnesota to win this one, especially in front of the, I don't know what they call their fans, the Skull Chanters. I don't know. Probably got that one wrong there. And then when it comes to my total points uh, versus the Bears and the Vikings, I put it at 38. I'm projecting like maybe a 28 to 10 win. Maybe I'm dumb for that, but who knows. So those are your picks. And there is your episode. Wednesday will be the power rankings. And then Thursday, I'll either give you a surprise Thanksgiving episode or uh, gotcha. You just got pranked. Um, We'll see what happens. Thank you, everyone, for listening to Max Sports. I appreciate it. Again, as we close in on 200 episodes, I want to say thank you to anyone who has listened to it, supported it. I have friends of mine that think it's really cool that I'm doing this kind of thing, Um, or I got people asking me for sports opinions. I'm not saying just because I have a microphone that I bought at Best Buy means I know a better opinion on sports, but I'm someone that's always loved football, so I always try and give you good opinions on things. And uh, at the end of the day, it Anyone that has helped support this has really just made it really fun to do it as well. I, I would say if you have something that you've always wanted to try, whether it's something like this or it's art or it's music, give it a try and find people around you that also think it's cool that you're doing something. Someone could come up to you and be like, a sports podcast? That's stupid. Well, you know what? They're stupid. What are they doing for their lives? Find something that is fun for you to do, makes you happy. And then find people that you can surround yourself that support what you're doing. I think that can help make you be a much better person. I think think it makes you a happier person as well, too. I think I've been a much happier person since I started this at the beginning of the year. So that's the end of the episode. That's the end of my rant right there. Have a good one. Adios.